0: 300 homes, uh, however large the housing estate is, uh, the contractors, the construction workers, will always start with what they call model homes. So this housing estate may have 300 homes in it, but actually uh, there are only five uh, layouts, five plans. Now, the colors may change and those things, but essentially it's 300 homes that are actually five. Does that make sense? And so the first thing they'll build is the five model homes. And so even uh, before ground is broke, for anything else, you can go and tour those five model homes. And you know that that will be the pattern for other homes built in the estate. Now, as, as we continue through the book of Exodus, we're coming to a point now where God is giving these rules, these laws to his people. And I want us to keep this big picture in mind. His plan for his people is that they would be a model to the rest of the world. And so what God is saying is that his desire is that the entire world would look like this model house. And so for him, this group of people that he has chosen, and not because there's anything special about them, uh, but it's just God's grace that he's chosen this group of people. And he says, look, you're going to be a model. And I'm going to give you rules, I'm going to give you laws, I'm going to give you a structure of building your society, and you will be a model to the rest of the world. And so, I know when you come to kind of Exodus chapter 20, where we're going to be today, and then moving on, there you might be tempted to skip over things, because you're kind of reading all right, if, if someone steals your ox, then you need to do this. Or if someone, you know, uh, hurts their servant, then this needs to happen. And you might think, well, I don't know if that has much to do with my job or my marriage or my life or whatever it might be. But don't give in to that temptation because what all of these things speak to is the character of God and that God's plan and purpose for this world is that we now, as the church, you and I, as people who love and follow Jesus, don't miss this, that we would be a model to the world around us. That that The idea is this, that that you could right now go to the co-op and pull anyone out of the co-op and plop them into your life, and what they would see is a model of what it means to love and follow Jesus. Now, notice I didn't say a model of perfection because part of that's going to be confessing sin and doing wrong and making things right. But what they would see is a model of what the world should look like and one day will look like. And so as we come to uh, Exodus chapter 20, that is, that is where God is going. He's going to say, this is what I want the world to look like. So uh, if you have your Bible, uh, please open to Exodus uh, and we're going to just uh, look at uh, a few verses in chapter 20 and then we're actually going to pull something out of uh, out of Micah as well and so exodus chapter uh, 20 and uh, and we see this and and I can put it up on the screen for us this is what we see in exodus 20 uh, 21 and 22 all right now if you'll remember uh, God has given Moses the Ten Commandments. So uh, we saw that in uh, Exodus chapter 20. You can turn me down just a bit, by the way. We may not get that ringing. Um, beginning of verse 1, thank you. And, and so he's given them the Ten Commandments, and now you and I come to uh, Exodus 20, 21 and 22, and it says this. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites this. You have seen for yourselves that I've spoken to you from heaven. And then I just put dot, 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 dot because that's now, it's gonna be God speaking to his people for the rest of chapter 20, for chapter 21, 22, 23. This is God speaking to his people. He's speaking to Moses, and Moses gives the message. And this is basically what he's saying I have freed you from Egypt. You're no longer slaves, and now it's time to form a society. Um, This actually has happened in some of our lifetimes, some of us, um, and it is with the nation of Israel. In 1948, following World War II, uh, the nation of Israel was formed. It did not exist in its current form before that. Um, Now, you and I lose the significance of that because most of us were not born then. Uh, But it was a very significant moment. My grandparents were Russian Jews. My grandfather was the first one born America, all family before that, his brothers, sisters, all of them came over from Russia. And so when the nation of Israel was formed, it was uh, it was a time of celebration for my grandparents and for their families. And so uh, when a nation starts like they did in 1948, there's a lot of work to be done, isn't there? Like, you've got to figure out, like, What are the rules going to be? Who's going to be in charge? What are the laws? All of those things. And so, oddly enough, it happened to God's people again in recent times. That's what's happening here. They are a new nation. And God is saying, here's the model. Here's how I want you to be. Um, So, um, we're going to see a couple of big ideas over this. And it comes from uh, the prophet Micah. And the prophet Micah in chapter 6, this is a familiar passage for maybe some of us. But in Micah chapter 6, he actually talks about the nation of Israel being delivered from the Egyptians. Remember we said that the word Egypt is in our Bible about 625 times. The exodus out of Egypt is the most significant event in the Bible with the exception of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so to understand even the death and resurrection, you have to understand the exodus. Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration is talking to Moses and actually refers to his work as an exodus. And so it's key through the Old and New Testament. And so in Micah chapter 6, Micah the prophet says, now that you've been brought out of slavery from Egypt, how are you to live? And this is what Micah says. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O oh mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? And this is it, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. If, if someone were to ask you, what is the essence of what it means to know God, like, In in one sentence, what does it mean to know God? The answer would be to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Uh, We're going to see that all of the laws, all of the rules in Exodus fall into these three categories. He gives them rules and laws so that there's justice. He gives them rules and laws so that there's mercy. And he gives them rules and laws so that they can walk humbly with him. Let me pray for us, and then we'll take a look. Uh, Lord Jesus, we love you, and we praise you for your word. And Jesus, we thank you that you uh, have given to us, the church, now your word, and you have given us, Lord, a pattern to live by, a pattern to live our lives to, uh, in the workplace, at school, in our homes. Lord, you have given us a model to bring before the world, that the world might know true justice and true mercy, and that the world might walk humbly with you. And so, Lord, thank you that we don't have to guess at these things. We don't have to make them up as we go along. But, Lord, you have given them to us in and through your word and by your spirit. And so we pray that in these next few moments, as we look at your word, we pray, Jesus, that you would open our minds and give us understanding and that you would soften our hearts, that we might be changed by your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, we're going to just see these big pictures of justice, mercy, and humility, and then we'll see some examples of how they uh, fit in. Could someone hit pause on the race upstairs? As amazing as that probably is, that might help. All right. Thank you, Dan. All right. Number, uh, number one. Here we go. Uh, God has given us his word so that we might treat others with justice. God has given us his word so that we might treat others with justice. Remember, Micah said this, and what does the Lord require of you but to what? To act justly, to act justly. Now, this word justly uh, in, in the Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament was written in, means this, to treat others equally with dignity and fairness, no matter who they are. All right. Now don't, let's look at this again. He says uh, to act justly. It means to treat others equally with dignity and fairness, no matter who they are. Written uh, written thousands of years before Black Lives Matters, written thousands of years uh, b- b- before any of the social justice movements we see in today's world what we see here is God telling us to treat others equally it doesn't matter male female it doesn't matter the the color the, the amount of melanin in your skin with dignity and fairness no matter who they are the church by the way should never be reactive to social justice we should be proactive the world should be following us we shouldn't be following the world amen church listen we've been given the mandate of what justice is, and it is to treat others equally with dignity and fairness no matter who they are. The gospel has declared that for 2,000 years. The gospel has declared that, and shame on the church if we've lost sight of it, but the gospel has declared that for 2,000 years that we are to act justly. Whether it's the Me Too movement or BLM, we as the church have more to say about justice Than anyone. Why? Because we have the law from the lawgiver. And it is that we treat one another with dignity and equality and fairness. Now, um, there are, I'm just going to pull up some examples. Hopefully, you read through these chapters in Exodus. Um, But here's some examples he gives in chapters 21, 22, and 23. All right? Here's some examples. So, uh, victims of a felony crime. And so he talks about murder. If, if someone is murdered, how should the community respond to that? Um, if someone steals or if someone is robbed, how should the community respond to that? So these kind of serious crimes, rape, murder, uh, robbery, when you read Exodus 21, 22, and 23, the Lord says this is how uh, these matters are to be handled. And so he, he makes sure what you find is, is that the punishment fits the crime. And so there's justice there. But there's also the sense of no one gets off free. Now, this to us in the Western world, you read that and go, mm, yeah, we kind of know that. But You have to remember, even in parts of the world today, like justice does not exist. There, there are still places in the world today where uh, the testimony of a woman is not equal to the testimony of man in a court of law. I mean it's literally legally not equal, and so if if you are uh, pleading your innocence of a crime and you have a woman come and testify, her testimony is not valid in a court of law There are places all throughout the Middle East where that 's the case there's still places around the world where women are not allowed to vote. there's still places around the world where the amount of melanin in your skin determines how people treat you, and so let 's not take this for granted that this idea. Of of punishment and crime, uh, it was given by the Lord, and it was to to give a sense of order. It was like I, you know my uh, my grandparents she used to always say, "Oh, uh, Tatala, Tatala is a Yiddish. It's a Hebrew. It means uh, uh, how how would I translate? It means it actually means little Papa. That's what my grandma used to call me in Yiddish. Uh, I knew I was in trouble because she would yell at me in Yiddish, or I knew I was getting something good because she would be sweet to me in Yiddish. And, uh, and, and so, um, uh, th- this, this idea, she, she would, um, forgot where I was going with that. I was just starting thinking about my grandma all of a sudden you would have loved her. She was hilarious. It'll come back to me. What was I talking about? Simon, you were listening. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if that was a laugh, like it was really good or like, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't listening. So, um, it'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. So, um, this idea of of uh, felony crime, all right victims of financial crime right it 's really interesting. he talks about lending if you if you lend someone money, what are the interest rates that you should give them and and like that 's in here, and that 's really important because what he tells them is listen if if it 's a neighbor and you lend them money, you charge them zero interest because you're family right I mean the amazing things property what do you do uh women um uh like if if a woman is mistreated, um, you you pay for that. I mean, sometimes you pay financially, or sometimes you pay with your life. And so again, it's the first legal system in the world where women are protected by law. Again, that that might not impress us, but this is the, this is your Bible, and it was the first time in the world that women were protected by law. Uh, servants and slaves, you read in here that that every seven years, you had to set your servants free. Like if you had slaves or servants, every seven years, everyone was set free. Uh, if you injured a servant or a slave, you you had to be punished. And if you killed a servant or a slave, you had to be killed. And so again, it's the first time in the world that servants and slaves are protected by law. Remember, this is a model. Um, uh, unborn children it's something we don't talk about but millions of babies are killed in the womb every year around the world and when you read exodus this is how serious the lord takes it he says this he says if two if two men are fighting and in that fight they accidentally hit a woman accidentally so she's walking by a fight's broken out out here on the high street pregnant woman goes by these men are fighting they accidentally hit her and it kills the baby the man who did that is to be put to death. So anyone who tells me that God caring about the unborn is not in the Bible, they've never read the Bible that I have. It says if 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 the baby is not uh, killed, but the mother or the baby are injured, that the man has to then pay for all expenses, anything for her and for that baby. And, and so again, I, I mean, uh, he, here's a big picture. God is concerned about life. God is concerned about women. God is concerned about those who have been misled and who have been mistreated. And he lays it out in the very beginning. And so he says, God has given us his word that we might treat others with justice. What would the world be like if all of us treated uh, everyone the way the Bible says, right? And it's really simple. Jesus says, treat others the way you want to be what? Treated, pretty revolutionary. All right, Uh, we see a second truth, and it's this: that God has given us His word so that we might uh, treat others with justice. But secondly, that we might treat others with mercy. God has given us His word that we might treat others with mercy. He says, "And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy." And in Hebrew, it literally means loving kindness, not just being kind to someone. But it's, it's like if you took love and you took kindness and mixed them and made this beautiful thing, and it's loving kindness. And we and I, we know in the New Testament, it means not receiving what we justly deserve, right? That's loving kindness in action, not, des- not, not receiving what we justly deserve. And so uh, we're going to see here in Exodus that he's going to provide a system for his people of justice, but then he's going to provide a system for his people of mercy. And uh, examples that you'll see that hopefully you've read through. If not, maybe this will challenge you to do it. Loving kindness in Exodus, first of all, for women. Um, uh, We see this also in the Gospel of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus teaching about divorce. And we've preached on this before. When you look at Jesus teaching on divorce... He he references back to Deuteronomy. He references back to this, right, the law. And basically, Jesus is saying this, that, that his heart and his concern in divorce was that women were protected. Their original rules were that you could divorce a woman for burning your dinner. That was grounds for divorce, right? And can you imagine, essentially, what it meant was this, that you could essentially leave a woman anytime you wanted, and in that culture, a divorced woman uh, was like the scarlet letter. She was a woman now who was abandoned from society. She was a woman now who who was marked, and no one would have anything to do with. Man, please don't miss this, because this is so important. Again, before feminism ever existed, Jesus was saying, no, 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 no. In my kingdom, women are to be treated with respect and dignity. Amen, church? Again, we're not reactive. We should be proactive. The gospel's been saying this for 2,000 years. And so women were to be treated uh, with loving kindness. Widows, uh, man, over and over and over in the Old Testament, New Testament, widows, orphans, widows, orphans. And I'll just be honest, I don't know of many churches that have a vibrant widow and orphan ministry. And yet, yet, it's the two categories that are mentioned specifically more than any other category of ministry: widows and orphans. Yeah, maybe we need to start praying into that, like Lord. Yeah, how are we doing on that? how How am I doing as a is? How are the Dubniks doing with the widows on our street? Well, we're, we're probably not doing so good. You know, how, how are the Dubniks doing with the orphans? How do I when? I've I've never even been to an orphanage in the UK. And why why is that? Why why haven't I went to visit and to help? And because man it's there and so in fact in fact um look at uh in in 21 uh, chapter 21 um he says that uh that anyone who mistreats a uh, a widow will be judged harshly by the Lord. Anyone who mistreats a widow, he says will be judged harshly By the Lord. I mean, it is amazing. He he just goes on and on and on. And so, um, the idea is loving kindness towards widows, towards orphans, towards servants and slaves, um, how they are treated. But then, loads about foreigners and refugees, and that the foreigners are to be treated equally, that the foreigners are to be treated like members of society. They're to be treated the same exact way. He, he, he says, in their protection, when a man strikes the eye of a slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of a slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. He says, and if he kills a slave, he too is to be killed. The idea is this, that, that you are to treat slaves, foreigners, refugees, with the utmost respect. And so it speaks to to modern culture today, the the model that we are to provide. Uh, And then finally, we see this, that God has given us word, right, for justice, for mercy, but then he says for humility. And what does the Lord require? Sorry, there we go. Uh, To walk humbly with your God. And so here in the Hebrew, it means modestly or lowly to treat others as better than myself. And so he's going to give them rules and regulations that essentially does this. In relationships, it puts the priority on the other person. So who's more important, me or my servant? My servant's more important. Who's more important, me or my wife? My wife is more important. Uh, Who's more important, me or the widow or the orphan? Well, the widow and the orphan are more important. Who's more important, me or the Syrian refugee? Well, here he says the refugee is more important. Essentially, the idea is this, that, that he has given them a system for justice, a system for mercy, but then big picture is just what we see in the New Testament. It's the one another's. Paul says, esteem others as better than yourself. Just, just live life with the permanent assumption that every person you encounter is more important than you. Can you imagine? Just live life with the permanent assumption that every person you meet is more important than you. Now, here's the beautiful thing. If everyone in a society is living that way, then everyone's needs are taken care of. And and the church is to model that today, and it will be a reality tomorrow when the kingdom of God comes. We were singing earlier about the return of Jesus. Uh, The Old Testament said he would come the first time, and he did. The New Testament says he will come again, and he will. And when he comes again, he will establish his kingdom on earth, and this is what it'll be. It'll be a kingdom where everyone esteems everyone else as better than themselves, a kingdom where everyone is treated with loving kindness, a kingdom where everyone walks in humility A kingdom marked with justice, a kingdom marked with loving kindness. And I would say, Lord, let it be. Amen, church. What a wonderful place that will be. God uh, gave his word to his people that they might act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with their God. And can I say that we have this book, we have the very words of God, so that you and I today in 2021. In Birmingham, England, that we might act justly, that that we might uh, love mercy, and that we might walk humbly with our God. Amen. Church, uh, we can't do it in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do it. Uh, Kayla and Christy left uh, yesterday to uh, to fly to America to uh, for Kayla to start university, and so. Uh, Max and I took them down to Heathrow, and and um, and so it must have been Thursday night. Uh, me and Christy and Kayla were uh, sitting in the living room, and, and Kayla had loads of American questions to ask us, and so we were trying to answer those for us, just cultural differences that she's not familiar with. And and then she said, you know, are there, are there any things I need to know? And so we have this running joke around our house. They're called uh, Daddy Nuggets. And so she said, do you have any daddy nuggets that I need? So a daddy nugget would be, for example, um, never ever change your appearance to impress someone else. That's a daddy nugget. Or never ever change what you believe to win the approval of someone else, right? And so she, she said, um, I, 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 do I have all the daddy nuggets that I need? And, um, and I said, well, you do. I said, but, but the most important one, I said, look, is um, it doesn't matter whether you're living in America or England or wherever you go, hide this book in your heart. Memorize it, love it, and live by it. And wherever you go, you will do well. You will do well. And for you and I as the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ in Erdington, May we love this book. May we memorize it. May we hide its words in our heart that we might be a model for this community of justice and mercy and what it means to walk humbly with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your word.